0: So, but but once those pads come on, Tevin Jenkins is a son of a
1: bitch. <laughs> Kieran, <laughs> Kieran. <laughs> oh, that was good. There is that the Bears' offense is just like Tony's Wi-Fi, which is uh, struggling. Um. <laughs> I a-
0: Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. It is great to be back. We are almost there. It's a week away. It is busy time of the year. We have Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network with us. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm assuming you are crazy busy just like everybody else that likes to cover the draft
2: yeah look guys appreciate you having me on it's uh but again it's the best time of year finally we're in this home stretch here and finally getting uh ready things to get going here next thursday in, in kc
0: yeah that's it's it's our like we're we've been saying it on the show for probably the past two weeks i think everybody has like the draft fatigue where they've seen so many mock drafts at this point they were like yeah. let's just get to the day let's get to the chaos and yeah, it's, it's what we're all looking forward to today. Seth, before we get on, how are you doing? It's been a couple of days since we've kind of spoken. And the last day, we actually didn't do a draft show. So it's nice to get back into it again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a beautiful day out here after two days of awful snow and other things. So I'm, I'm feeling as good as can be right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look, we are here and we're going to be talking about some of our draft gems. They can be guys from that we're projecting to be in day two. It can be day three. Some guys that maybe even could get up there into kind of that first round because really all the rumors that we hear of the last couple of days, Ryan. And I know at this point of the year, it's really hard to trust anything that you hear because (laughs) we all know what happens at this time. But from everything that people seem to be saying is that I don't think people quite expect what's going to happen on day one and it could be a wild Thursday night for a lot of people.
2: Yeah, absolutely. This is, again, smoke screens left and right. Teams trying to, whether they're tangible or not, right? whether they're real or not, it's just teams are, it it happens every year. And it's so funny with mock drafts and things, and you look at them all over the internet. And I know I released one of mine a couple weeks ago for TDN. It's You get a lot of flash, you get a lot of backlash from people as far as, oh, that's not going to happen, this isn't going to happen. Guys, the teams don't even know what's going to happen (laughs) on draft. I was just texting with the Chief Scout before we came on here, and it's just like, hey, what do you think we're gonna do? What, what are our other teams gonna do? You know, we got a long wait till we're on the board at the back end of the thirty. So it's just again home stretch, finally getting there. Let's just get there, and finally we can peel the layers back on these players, scheming on the offense and defense. And for a team like Chicago, that last year did a really nice job in the draft and has done a nice job in free agency and moving forward. It's it's a, it's an organization that's on the come up for sure.
0: Yeah, look, I'd be disappointed in you if you didn't send the i-emoji and Zay Flowers to that chief scout right now after what we heard today about him working out with Patrick Mahomes, but we will we will get to Zay. But look, we'll start with the offense and we're going to rotate this each one of us has picked different guys and look, each one of us will do like a little bit of an introduction to these, but we'll kind of make this easy and, and kind of talk about some of these guys. Anybody listening, whether that's on Twitter or on YouTube, make sure you get your comments in. If you're over on Twitter, you may as well join onto YouTube so you can actually get your comments in and we can go through that. We're going to start on offense. And Ryan, I'll, I'll let you kind of take it away with the first guy here.
2: Yeah, my first guy, as you can see on the screen, is is Izzy Abanacanda, running back from Pitt, uh, overwhelmingly dominant um, in the ACC this year. Home run hitter and really has the bulk as well to play and create inside the tackles and then pump it out to the outside and outrun a corner and outrun a safety and has that kind of unique combo to where he can run around you and also can run through you. And someone that's one of the younger players in this class. And I think someone that can either come in and be that RB two and that complimentary backfield or come in right away and potentially move into that RB one workload bell cow type of player. So is the I mean, guy was again, overwhelmingly dominant in power five in the ACC, 2021, Pitt was dominated with Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison slinging the ball around all day long. And then Izzy just took over the ACC and really for Pitt this year. And he was just absolutely fantastic. I think he's someone that has slept on in this class, ability to do it all. We know Bijan and Jameer Gibbs are probably going to be the first two RBs off the board. But where do those other guys fall in that second tier? The Zach Charbonnets, Devon A-Chains, guys like that. And I think Izzy is right in that bucket. So he's a guy that I really like in this class and, and a deep, talented running back group
0: yeah he's an interesting one as well and when you talk about this running back class after those kind of first two or three guys it is a a broad range of where people have some of these guys going and even doing that kind of bit of research I always like the guys that it's probably why I like guys like Roshan Johnson why I like Izzy here because we all know what happens with the running back position in the NFL now that you want a guy that doesn't have all the mileage on on the tires the fact that he is only 20 years of age right coming in he has good tape out there like you led the acc in russia in 2022 that's what you want to see that last year that they're there coming out is their most productive year and for that to be his most productive year but also know that he hasn't had to run a hell of a lot in college it really does help for the teams are going to look at this because they all they all want to have these viable running backs but also guys that don't have any injury issues because we all know how teams gonna deal with running backs nowadays like mm-hmm. the like personally for us for the bears everybody fell in love with david montgomery but then yeah. it comes to his contract year they've already drafted khalil herbert they'll probably draft somebody else to be his backup for when herbert's going and it just seems like more and more teams do that so i guess my main question for you is where do you think Izzy goes you think he is more of maybe slipping into late day two or do you think that this will be kind of a more day three show because it's really hard to kind of pinpoint where that kind of rush on running backs happens
2: yeah it is uh, and, and for me he is a day two guy um, I'm trying to bet on traits that translate and he is somebody again as I mentioned that you can give it to him whether it's inside the 20s or you give it him at your 10 yard line and he picks up gear and he's taking it 90 yards to the house um, end of the day guys, most points wins. And I want a guy on my roster that understands how to get in the end zone consistently at a high level in the ACC. Now it's not the SEC, it's not the big 10, but the ACC got some good ball players around that conference. So again, success is to see super young, fresh tread on the tires, home run hitter can also compete inside the tackles. We'll pick up a blitzing linebacker for you and pass pro. Those are a lot of those boxes that you try to check as much as you can off for these guys. So he's a day two guy for me.
1: Yeah, he's one of those guys that I almost always forget about until I start just digging into some tape, and then I like leave it going like, "Oh yeah, no, I'd absolutely take this guy." <laughs> but up until I start rewatching film, he's he's the guy that I consistently forget about and wonder why I've forgotten.
0: Yeah, yes. it, really, really fun player. Yeah, he's look. It's it's interesting because you look at the traits, and you mentioned it. I like guys that when they get tackled they always fall forward it's it's an important thing to be able to do but also I always say for even for running backs and it's one of my pet peeves when I watch some guys I'm like you never want to go somewhere too fast because you do want to wait for like sometimes you see running backs kind of rush out and you're like if you just waited that one extra second and you waited for that block to develop you were home and dry there And it's one thing that you do see with Izzy as well. He's more of a patient back, even though he does have that athleticism that you look for. And it's something that I've liked. It's always good to have those guys that have a good combination of the size, but also the speed. Mm -hmm. So I guess with that being said, when you project him now having to transition from the college game to the NFL, what are kind of, not so much your areas of concern, but your areas of improvement that he does need to get better at to be kind of, let's say, challenge for a starting position when he does become a rookie
2: yeah i think when you think of these home run hitter guys right i think you you need guys like even like a sean tucker from syracuse where you consistently need that alleyway just to blast through a a gap and then just take it 60 yards to the house i want to see him like you mentioned use a vision more be able to hit cutback lanes get his feet under him a little bit at times not every time you get the ball in your hands you have to elongate that stride and try to pick up into fifth gear within that next five yard window so using his vision a little bit more Keeping his eyes up, being a little bit even more patient, even though he already is, and also just getting more targets in space as well. I want to see him develop his game out in space. So just a little small things. I want to see him tinker because again, we mentioned he's super young. He really still, relatively still, is learning the game. Still got fresh tread on the tires, but a lot of those things, the traits that translates, projectability. Five years down the line, he's only going to be 25 years old. That that's just a guy I'm willing to take a chance on and get my roster, get on my roster, and,
0: and give him some touches and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we'll move on to the second guy. The second guy has come from myself and we are going to stick with kind of the offensive skill positions here. And that is Tyler Scott wide receiver from Cincinnati. And when I, when I saw the bears go and get DJ Moore, because obviously with this being kind of a bear show, you're like, Oh, they're not going to need to go too high. But then I think back and like, I just want more weapons. And Tyler Scott is probably, I don't know about you guys, he's one of the guys you watch him. It's just very enjoyable to watch. It's always nice to watch some of these skill players, but when you're able to watch a guy that it's it's so difficult to defend them just because of that pure athleticism, the speed. And you can tell that defenders know that he's able to get them with the speed. And then it actually helps them in the short game as well because they're so focused on not getting beat deep. And he's able to do that. But the fact that he's he has that speed, but also sometimes we see guys come out and they have that elite speed. But in terms of the right running, it's not crisp. It's not smooth. But he's actually very good at that as well. And it's something that it is really interesting to see where he's going to project. Because when you watch him for Cincinnati, he played on the outside for the majority of his career. But then you're thinking, does the size, does his kind of lean body type, transition well to being played on the outside when it comes to the nfl level the one thing i'll always say is that speed kills, and it's it's really difficult to stop but if he can prove that he can play on the outside because i believe that he can do it both on the outside and on the inside yeah, when it comes to the next level like he's going to be one of those guys that probably goes in like the third round or fourth round this year now i still think in terms of his traits he should probably go a little bit higher but based on i guess most of the projections right now. I think he's the type of guy we look back on this draft and be like, should have gone a lot higher than he actually did. It again, it comes back to the traits and does it fit? Like, if you look at it pure numbers, you're like, ah, oh, there's not. It's not the same as some of the other receivers. But all you have to do is watch him on tape and, like you said, Ryan, how do you project him at the next level? So look, that that's kind of my main thing in terms of what I was able to take away from him is. You want that explosive athlete on the outside, especially if you're able to give him time. If he can get in the right system where he's not expected to be like a number one or a number two right away and can learn from existing players there that have shown to have success in the NFL, I think that could be a really good fit for him.
2: Yeah, I agree. He's someone that, uh, for me, when I look at receivers, it's about separation and everything like that, it, it just translates. Your ability to separate at every single level, whether you're you're asked to, to face a guy that's an impressed man and you got to get off the line of scrimmage, or he's in zone and he's five to seven yards off and you got to marry net him and stack him immediately. Um, Tyler Scott does that extremely well, and, and I, I completely agree as far as he's going to be a guy two, three years down the line that we look back to and say this guy probably should have gone higher because he's going to be. I think he's going to be a high-level wide receiver too in this class. He's not overwhelmingly sexy as far as everything that anything that he does at the wide receiver spot. I just think he's a flat-out good football player, and I think that means something.
1: Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. He's he's a guy who could just like you. You almost feel safe in what he can do. You know, you're you're not like worried about x y and z with him you know he can just come in and just do his job and that's exactly what you're looking for in you know the mid to late rounds is a guy who just come in and fill a role you know you're not necessarily expecting him to come in right away and be an all-star or you know a superstar in any way but he's a guy who can come in and do exactly what you need him to do and when you're trying to develop an offense making a pick like that you know makes sense especially when you're just trying to give a young quarterback all the weapons he can possibly have
0: yeah. yeah, absolutely. And look, if you want to translate to quarterbacks like Justin Fields that we kind of cover here is you want guys that can be players deep but also are able to track the ball, right? And that's one thing that I, I do like that he's able to do. I think the one main thing is the consistency of the hands is, is something that needs to, it needs to be there at the next level. And then it's just going to be that question of the frame and – How can he play strong and against some of these kind of elite corners at the next level? Like you said, though, Ryan, is you look for that separation, and he's one of the best in the class of being able to do that. And typically, when you analyze wide receivers on a yearly basis, the guys that are easy are able to separate not just because they're great athletes, but because they're obviously they have good speed, but most of these guys do nowadays but also it's that route running, being able to have those crisp and smooth routes and is able to get open pretty quickly because of it. It's, it's something you can't teach a lot of these guys that come in just as athletes.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of smaller receivers in this class, aren't there? I mean, you look at the top yeah. and, <laughs> and Jordan Addison's a flowers, Josh Downs. It's, it's a class that really looked upon by the league as, a, as guys that we're going to get wide receiver twos and wide receiver threes, but I think there are some guys that are going to exceed expectations, and I think Tyler is going to be one of those guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and look, we'll move on to our next guy here, and Seth, this is going to be you, and it's a guy that a lot of Bears fans will know very, very well, and that is running back Chase Brown from Illinois.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's a guy everybody should be familiar with, regardless of you know which fandom you serve, but especially for this scheme, you know, he, he played in a similar zone scheme. He has, you know, those elite athletic traits. Uh, he's a guy who's got that track speed that actually translates to like on the field. You know, a lot of times you see guys with really good RAS scores or really great 40 times. And then, you know, you put pads on them and they're fast, but not, you know, the elite level that they show, you know, when they're, when they've got shorts on and are just, you know, uh, doing those track type, uh, events. Um, but he's a guy who, has gotten better and better, uh, in terms of, you know, uh, as a receiver, you know, this past year was his best as a receiver and, uh, while still maintaining really quality rushing numbers, I think all in all, he had just over 1800 all purpose yards and 13 touchdowns. So he's a guy can, you know, get the job done. I think he'll tend to get some knocks on him because in pass pro, I do think he's a little suspect. Uh, we have a, a little bit of a trend with that with Chicago running backs right now, um, but he's a really good athlete who can you know take that one cut and go, and he has that home run ability. Really solid route runner out of the backfield. Good hands. Um, you know, if he was a much better pass protector or you know not five nine, I'd probably be talking about him a little bit higher. Um, wow. But definitely a guy who you know you could see in the fourth or fifth round that could be a starter caliber running back even in year one. And with the, you know, way running backs get injured, never hurts to have uh, too many of those.
0: Yeah. And I guess Ryan, I'll kind of come to you as, how do you project chase at the next level? Cause you look at different guys and some are really high and others will say he can be part of that kind of rotation year one, because when you have these guys that are a little bit smaller you worry about when it comes to the goal line situation because it's such a big thing in in the NFL right now it's all about can you punch it in for six instead of just dealing with with three points and we see some of the really positives from from Chase Brown the one thing I liked is you saw a little bit of improvement in terms of the passing game this year that he didn't show previously right and some of the things like you wouldn't say he's a complete burner but he's not slow but by any means and He's an impressive guy, but he seems to be the one where there is a wide variance of what people think that he's gonna be at the next level.
2: Yeah, he was. Uh, it's funny the conversation that we just had with about Izzy, and then now coming yeah. to Chase as far as guys that have the fresh tread on the tires, and with Chase, that was just workhorse, workhorse, workhorse. Every single week, the ball's been given to you. It doesn't matter what the defense is preparing for. Chase Brown's getting the ball. And that's what the game plan was for the Fighting Illini this year. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the guy was a Heisman favorite this year. really was in the production that he had. Uh, But he's just, for me, he is a tricky evaluation. Um, He does fit in his own scheme. That's why I like him. But I don't want to pigeonhole him into that because I do think that he has a the bulky, the bulkiness and the the armor on his body to so work inside consistently and work downhill. If you want to get more of a power scheme where guys are just on that linear plane or offensive lineman north south, um, but for me he is one of the trickier evals in this class just because I don't I don't know if he has an elite trait. And when I look for, for guys, I try to look for something that they do elite to separate themselves. And this is a running back class, guys. Day one to day three, and even into UDFA's, are going to get some opportunities. So, where a lot of the guys have those elite traits, whether it's vision, whether it's top end burst, whether it's ability in space in your hands, I don't know if I see that from Chase Brown. So that it just provides a little bit of a wrinkle in this evaluation to where he is going to be scheme specific for a certain team. Latter portions of day two and, and into day three.
0: Yeah, I I kind of agree when it comes to that because. You want, especially, like I said, some of the things that I prefer is I don't want to have a running back coming in that, you know, has been that bell cow the entire time because, you know, all the the mileage that kind of builds up. At some point, these guys do break down and you'd like to when you're bringing in one of these guys that, you know, OK, doesn't have to play straight away, doesn't need to start straight away, but that you feel like they can be that replacement for whoever that you have when their contract does come up and it's kind of just the way it works but look I think if you get into a point of day three and Chase Brown is still there I think the value will be too high for a team to pass up on because he is like we said he's a really good running back and it just depends if a team thinks that he's the perfect fit for their system you look at some of the running backs that you kind of have seen in like Washington over the last couple of years kind of makes sense as well with them but it's going to be interesting to see where he lines up but we're going to move on to our next stage of the offense. And well, we had this was not planned, by the way, that was going to go in this way, but we dealt with the position players there. We are now going to be focusing more on the trenches. And look, Ryan, this is probably one of Bears fans' favorite players because every time I see mock drafts, this guy is always there. And that is TCU interior offensive lineman, Steve Avila.
2: Yeah. Give me the beef, fellas. Give me beef <laughs> up front. Look, bottom line, games, look, 2023, guys are – they want the sexy receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. Football games are still won in the trenches all day long. And I think Steve is a guy that I, is a day two guy, 100% for me. Um, love the kid, captain along that TCU offensive line. And he's someone I think we don't give enough credit as far as his ability to move east-west. Um, all year long and really in his career at TCU playing center or guard, I didn't see anybody out him at all. And I don't think that may happen at the NFL level. Now it's a different level where right? you're dealing with college kids and dealing with grown men. It's very different. Everybody knows about the old grown man strength. Everybody yeah. knows that's a real thing. Um, but TCU and, and for Steve, he's just somebody that I just want to plug and play along my front five. And I maybe even ask him to lose maybe five, 10 pounds. I think he's got a little bit of a sloppier build and someone that, Strength and conditioning will be big for him in the first year or two of his career, but those are very small things that look at his game. Now, is he perfect in pass pro? No. I want to see him improve upon his hands, different things like that, but at guard, he's going to have those guys to either side of him. He's at left guard. He's going to have that left tackle to his left hip and the center to his right hip. He's someone that just fills up so much space Big Boy looks like a guard throwback style, run through your face, take your lunch money, and let you know about it. Now, he's not overwhelmingly dominant in the run game some of these nastier finishers that we've seen over the last few years. He's not like a Tevin Jenkins at tackle we watched him at Oklahoma State throwing guys out of the club along the front <laughs> five. But to Steve Avila, I just like his game. We had discussions about him in our TDN meeting this morning where I went back and forth with some of my colleagues on him, but he's a guy for me, I want him along my front five and I think he's a day two guy, 100% for me.
0: Yeah, he's an interesting one as well, because you look at him, he gets voted as an All-American in 2021 where predominantly he played center. Yeah. And then in 2022, he predominantly plays guard and he gets voted All-American again. Right. So, look, we always say, it, especially with these guys coming in, if you go into like an offensive line group that's that has established veterans there already, versatility is so important or even we always say on this show as well your starting offensive line in week one is net is not going to be your starting offensive line in week 17 so it's it's good to have a guy that can do both and do both as effectively as him and i like what you say in terms of his aggressiveness and what he's like in terms of his play strength so the the one thing that i always kind of notice with him because look you if you look at his even his workout i know a lot of people will look at that he's not going to be someone that is going to wow you on that so i guess my biggest question is how do you think he's going to do at the next level against some of those kind of elite speed rushers that are going to be coming up against them do you think that he'll be able to handle himself too adequately early on in his career or do you think it might take a little bit of time to get him him used to kind of the speed at the next level
2: yeah, I think 100% there's always a little bit of a grace period for guys coming in uh, along the interior, whether you're a prospect like a Quentin Nelson or you're going to be a guy like Steve that's going to be probably a, a day two pick, maybe, probably maybe the latter portions of day two. And that's something in his game that I want to see him work better against because we know how hybrid guys can get along the front five, whether you got a five tech that's sliding into three three jumping out to five twists and stunts and picking up those guys, um, his hands, I want him to see him a little more aggressive with his hands. And usually when he clamps on, sometimes guys are able to disengage right away and then they get into his chest a little bit, being able to win leverage right away and get those hands in. And then once you're in the breastplate, the rep is over because he is really, really strong. And I think also when I talk about his feet a little bit, seeing a little bit more of that fluidity east to west, he can make up for that with the strength that he has in his hips in his core and in his arms, because as I mentioned, guys, I didn't see a single guy, whether it was Jalen Carter at Georgia or guys in the Big 12, to where they were overwhelmingly dominant against him. Just, no one's going to outmuscle muscle him. And I want that type of beefy guy within the interior that can move a little bit for me. So I just, he's a guy that I, I really like. Don't have a ton of concerns, but those speed guys in the middle, 280, 280 pounds, 295 pounds, kind of that hybrid guys, maybe a guy like Keon White. For example, in this class, Tuli Tua Piloto, maybe give him some of those issues. But I think it will be fine. Real A really good player, you know, especially two, three years down the road.
1: Yeah, that's he's he's a, he's a set it and forget it guy. Like, and that's – right. it's nice to have that, you know, like, does he have all the elite athletic traits? No, but you mm-hmm. don't always need that. Sometimes you just need that dude that you know you can put there and he's going to win more than he loses and you know that the pocket's not going to, you know – push up and and cause your quarterback you know all sorts of nightmares um like i said he's just a set it and forget it guy and for that he is one of my more one of my favorite interior uh linemen in this class for sure
0: yeah Yeah. Yeah, I'm, i'm the same it's especially when you come from kind of when we look at what happened with the bears last year we know that they need to kind of improve that offensive line and everybody talks about the tackles and rightly so but you can never get enough players on the interior that can really help you. And the one thing that I like about him is, like you said, there is that versatility there. That if you want to play him at centre, you can. If you want to play him at guard, you can. If somebody goes down on either side, you feel comfortable him going in. And he's one of those guys that typically it happens a little bit in kind of that second round range where you're like, it's not quite a first rounder, but if you draft him, you know he's probably going to start for, for you very soon. And right. that's something that it is really important in terms of some of these guys. And look, we always look for, for the traits. And sometimes it's just, is he a damn good football player? Yes, okay, we'll draft him. And right. that, that's what makes it really intriguing for him. And I think this second round is a is an interesting sweet spot after those kind of first couple of guys early in the first round go. It's going to be who goes next. Is it going to be one of those interior guys? Is it going to be one of the guys on the outside? I went for someone that might be a little bit further down in terms of the second round here because, again, it's so difficult to know which of these tackles are going to go in the high second or actually sneak into the first. But it's a guy that I really like kind of the traits of, and it's uh, Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse. And, again, I looked at this in the scope of kind of the Bears and what they look for in terms of their offensive linemen. But similarly to Avila, it's like, it's that versatility, the fact that he's played both left tackle, played right tackle, and that's something that you do want to be able to see as well. I like the fact that from the moment that he was there in Syracuse, he's starting as a freshman and like not a lot of guys are, are able to do that to be able to play 20 plus games at right tackle, 20 plus games at left tackle and for the most part was consistent enough I think. 2022 was a little bit more of a struggle. I know he had, I think, in previous years, he averaged about two to three sacks a year, and then this year there was five. So that was one of the kind of questions that you'd look for. But one of the things I think a lot of people, we don't really give offensive linemen the credit, and it's actually one of the most important traits, is how intelligent they are as offensive linemen, that you're not going to just rush out, because sometimes when you do that, you get beat. And the one thing I like about Bergeron is obviously his length is good, but he you look at him, you're like, he knows what he's doing. He's an intelligent football player. And again, I like the timing in terms of what he's able to produce in both the run game, but also in terms of his awareness in pass protection, because we I don't know about, uh, about you, Ron, in terms of what you've kind of heard in terms of when it goes to like the free agency and then going to the draft, but the constant thing that we heard from for everyone the Bears were interested in, all fans had a different opinion because one guy was better in terms of the run game, one guy was better in pass pro, there wasn't many guys that could do both. I like the projection for Bergeron to where he can be at least a plus player, both in terms of the run game and in the pass game. Is he going to be that guaranteed guy straight away like some of those first-round guys? No, he'll take a little bit of time. But for me, the athleticism is there. The length is there. Some of the traits that I think a lot of these teams are going to look for is there. And Like we said, versatility is so important when it comes to the mm. offensive line now. And personally, I think if the bears don't go offensive tackle in the first round, I actually think it's a very good fit for Chicago.
2: Yeah. I, I think Matthew Bergeron has the chance to be the best block run blocking tackle out of this class down the line. Um, I think he is fantastic in that area. Uh, I just am confused. I'm confused. A little curious as far as how the league is going to evaluate him and where he goes, considering the, where he lacks, in my opinion, uh, is in pass pro. Um, yeah. I, I want to see him improve there a little bit, but that's just league evaluates guys, pass pro and then and then run blocker. Um, you know, they can say, hey, we can take a guy at pass pro and work on that run blocking. But I, I like his game. I do. I think he's when you get past that first tier of tackles, the Skaronskis, Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson, DeWan, um, you move back into that tier two, it's it's really him. And it's Jalen Duncan for me from the university of Maryland. And then there's a drop off to, to the next tier. And that's where it's going to be fun to where even a guy like Anton Harrison or one game more is kind of in that bucket as well. But um, I like Matthew Bergeron's game as well. I just want to see him develop a little bit more in pass pro.
0: Yeah. it's It's a tough one when you look at this overall, because we all have spoken about those kind of first round guys. And it's like the four or five that are there and we don't really know how they're going to stack up. Like I think, depending on whatever team this can be completely different but I agree with you you look at then you're looking at guys like DeWan Jones which he'll fit some team style but others he won't mm-hmm. you look at Bergeron you've mentioned kind of Jalen Duncan as well but then once you get past that you're like I don't know where the rest of the guys are actually going to go and it yeah. there could be a big drop off from when you see the guys go from that middle second round that It could get towards the end of the third before we start to see more of these offensive tackles go. And that's where you might see a guy like Bergeron where, like you said, a team might be like, we can play him at right tackle and we know that he's going to be a bruiser in the run game. But we believe in kind of our own scouting staff. We believe in our offensive line coaches that we can build him up on the pass pro. And if you're able to do that, you're getting one hell of an offensive lineman Seth, you want to kind of come in with anything here?
1: No, I. You basically hit on all the points that you know that I've had for him. Is you know he's a guy who I think fits really well at the right tackle spot because you know you can cover up some of those deficiencies with having a tight end out there and and can help him. And if you really believe in your line coach, you know you can fix some of the 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 smaller detail things. Um, you know it's hard to say you can improve him to a and you know, an excellent pass protector, but you can fix some of the the, the little things and, and help him improve overall. But I mean, he's, he's one of those, those guys that have, has, has a high floor, you know, I think he's just really, really sound. And the way a lot of these teams are, you know, moving to kind of these zone schemes or, or, you know, right tackles that can run block extremely well, and then just throw a tackle on the other side and have a, an elite left tackle. I think, he is a plug and play, or at least you know, can compete for a starting position at right tackle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And look, we'll go to something that's a little bit more of a project. But one of the guys that you really like, Seth, and that is Louisville offensive tackle Trevor Reed. Um, interesting guy. Um, I'm gonna let you take it away.
1: Yeah, he project is a very nice way of describing it. Um, he's definitely got a lot of work to do overall. But in terms of You know, a guy who could slide into guard or who could play tackle depending on how you, you know, how you want to slice it. So he's got that position versatility partially because I don't think he has a home quite yet. Um, But you're not going to find too many better athletes. Um, You know, I was uh, talking to you before the show of like guys that big should not be able to have a broad jump over 10 feet. That's absurd. Uh Or to be able to have a like thirty-eight inch vertical at you know three hundred eleven pounds, that's ridiculous. And and uh, you know 4940 4'9", So you know he he can move for that weight too. Um, but the the thing that I really like about him that you know is a guy that I started researching is he can play. I, I think if you get with him with a good online coach, he can play in about any scheme. Uh, depending on where you put him at tackle or guard, but he's got experience working with super athletic quarterbacks. So he'd be more familiar with, with that type of of quarterback behind him uh, if he were to come to Chicago. Uh, So that's why I kind of gravitated towards him. You know, he's a guy who who knows what it's like to have somebody like that back there, because if you're an offensive lineman and you're not used to it, that can be quite a, a transition. I, I think uh, there were a few Eagles players that when they uh, talked about, you know, working with Hertz for the first time, it's like sometimes he's there and then he's not, and you got to adjust to that. Um, but yeah, definitely a, a massive project guy, a guy who needs to get with a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, I think he could definitely add some weight and still be highly athletic, but he's got to get stronger. And then I think it's just going to be dialing him him into a position. And I think he could find a home uh, at guard but in this scheme, the tackles do, you know, kind of pull a good bit. So he, you know, he could definitely, you know, get some work uh, in on the reserves as a tackle uh,
2: for Chicago or for a team that has a similar uh, scheme. Yeah, yeah, perfect day three flyer in in my yeah. mind. Yeah, completely agree. He's, and, and and you mentioned the broad invert, and that just showcases his explo- explosiveness. And whether you know he's at tackle and, he, and he's lined up with that that mm-hmm. right that right leg back a little bit, or he's at guard and he's got his hand in the dirt and exploding forward and asking to relocate a three-tech, um, that just showcases his explosiveness. And I'm a team on day three, as you mentioned, Seth, and is someone that I just want to take a flyer on, get him in the building as a, as a ball of clay, has that athletic intangibles. We know the league loves athletes, 100% taking a guy like Trevor Reed.
0: Yeah, he's an interesting one because you look at that athleticism and you just know there's going to be coaches being like, I can fix him, I can get him into right. their no, strength and yeah. condition. Right. I'm like, right. if I can get him stronger, we got We got to start on our O-line for like yeah. a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick. And that's kind of what you're looking for here. Like we, we just talk about the Bears and they did a similar thing with Braxton Jones last year. Fifth round mm-hmm. pick, you like some of the traits, you're like, we can get him to the point of where – he fits exactly what we want to do. He has that athleticism and it works out. And now everybody's just like, all we need to do is get him to continue being in a strength and conditioning yeah. program, deal with the bull rush a little bit better. And if you're able to do that for a fifth round pick, you're looking, yeah. you're looking cozy. And it's the same thing for Trevor Reed. It's We always say you can't teach this athleticism. And if you can get these guys a little bit stronger to fit in within your system, it really works out well, but look, those are our main offensive guys. And now we go into the defensive side. And again, Ryan, you've picked someone that I think every Bears fan really, really wants on that defensive line, because we have nightmares still of the defensive (laughs) line we saw last year and it is Wisconsin's Keanu Benton. So tell me, why is he one of your main draft gems from this year?
2: Yeah, Keanu, first things first, Keanu as an individual, as a young man, he is impressive. Um, a guy that you want in your locker room, a guy that you want to line up with and go to war with every single day, guy that bears fans if he is a bear, would love him in the community. Um, this is a guy that was an All-State wrestler in high school. And he and I love guys that play in the trenches that have a wrestling background because that tells me that they have that functional athletic profile and their hands are explosive, and they're always yeah. quick, and they understand how to play with leverage. And you watch Keanu in, in the Big Ten at Wisconsin, and then you watch him down at the Senior Bowl this year in a neutral environment against – I remember that rep. I posted on Twitter of him against Asim Richards, and he completely embarrassed the former Tar Heel, and he just made him look like he was standing still. And guys at that, that size that move that way that can slide up and down the defensive line do some different things for you, whether you want him as a three-tech and, and a, an even front – or play some, even some nose in an odd front. You want to throw some unique looks. The Bears specifically need bodies up front and more athletes. I love what they're doing at the second level. A guy like Keanu Benton did not just clog up gaps for guys like TJ Edwards and um, Termaine Edmonds, but, and Jack Sanborn as well, who I loved coming out of Wisconsin last year too. But he's just someone that fits the modern mold of a guy that can push the pocket as well and clog up gaps and eat up bodies. And then I mentioned him just playing with consistent leverage. I really like his game. He's one of my favorite interior linemen and favorite overall defenders in this entire class.
0: Yeah, Jack Sanborn is going to be hyped if the Bears, if the Bears get him. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that one's going to be really good. But look, it is. It, he's kind of like we said with some of the other guys. It's like you shouldn't be able to be that explosive at that size. And he is. No. You, can't, you can't move him. Look, even in terms of you always want to see improvements in terms of like kind of – rushing the passer as well and just because of that explosiveness and how strong he is he's able to create for himself but also for other players and that's what i think like we always hear when we talk about him that obviously with the size that he is he's really hard to move that people say yeah he's going to be a nose he's going to be kind of a one but then when you actually do look at that explosiveness, you're like, no, he can play three-tech as well. And he is a guy that you can kind of put in. Uh, personally, I think if the Bears were to draft him, they'd probably draft him to play three-tech because they yep. just signed Andrew Billings. And good luck trying to get <laughs> to move those two beside each other because that, those are some big guys. But he's, I, I, look, Seth, I know you mentioned him a couple of months ago as so when we first started doing some of these draft shows. He just creates havoc in the defensive line. And those are those are guys that the Bears have really missed since kind of they let the guys like Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goleman go.
1: Yeah, he just he feels like a Chicago Bear. And that's like how I describe him. He's the he's the defensive lineman all of us are used to over, you know, the past few decades. When you, you know, see guys like, you know, Alex Brown, Tommy Harris, and all these other guys just come through that are just forces and it's like when I watch him I'm like yeah I could absolutely see him you know see him in a Bears jersey I I do I'm on board with you guys I I think he could easily play three technique I get kind of annoyed when I see people there's a few other defensive tackles in this draft where people are like oh he's a nose that's all he can be it's like just because he fits this height weight thing does not mean he's relegated Mm -hmm. to one specific thing like with like a Keem Hicks, you know, that dude can play, you put him anywhere. I don't care how big he is. You put him as a, you know, a a four, three, anywhere on that line, he's probably getting the job done. The three, four, whatever. And there are some defensive tackles, like you can look at their height and weight on paper, but what does the tape say? And the tape says that dude can ball. He can play anything, shoot in, in certain packages, Throw him out as a defensive end. Why the hell not? He can, he can create issues, and that's exactly what this you know this defense was missing last year, because they got pushed around. And he's not going to let that happen. You know, he's he'll probably start a fight before he lets somebody you know average five to six yards to carry on him or or run for one hundred fifty yards. And and we need more of that. He, Absolutely. I think he fits perfectly uh, with this defense, and and can play anywhere on this line. Yep, Yay. fresh legs. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think it goes to the point of when we say this in terms of the draft gems, we mentioned it when it comes to kind of Tyler Scott in terms of we say a guy that definitely should have gotten picked higher. You look at Keanu Benton. I still think he's he could go at the top of the second round and still that might be too late for him because he is that type of player. This kind of moves me to the next guy, which I hate doing this because I don't want people to like, try and want to make this guy go a little bit higher because I would have done anything for this guy to fall to the Bears, but I I doubt it's going to happen unless they move back in the first round. But it is edge rusher. So Felix and again, he's one of those guys that there's a couple of things I look for in in pass rushers, Ryan. It's one, what are their range of kind of pass rush skills? Mm -hmm. Do they just have one thing that they can beat you with? The other thing I like is what is that first step like? Is it explosive? And he takes both boxes. <laughs> first step, extremely explosive. The repertoire that he has in terms of his pass rush moves, a high motor guy. I just, when I watch him, I'm like, I just hear Matt Everfluis in the back of my mind, being like, this is the type of player that he wants. When I hear people saying, oh, he, he's not that great from the inside, I'm like, I don't care. He can stay on the edge for me. He can stay out there, and he can provide that much-needed pass rush. But he's a really difficult kind of – when you look at him and compare him to some of the other guys, it kind of surprises me that he doesn't get as much kind of push-up that some of the other guys we've heard that are going in or that we have projected to go in the first round because his skill set is rare, and you, some of the things that we all know that coaches look for is he explosive? Yes. Is he able to be offensive tackles in different ways? Yes. Is he kind of that high motor guy that kind of all these coaches constantly harp on about? Absolutely. And he has this strength and that kind of power to be able to win. But also when you look at him in terms of his flexibility and his bent, it's there. So when I look at him, I'm like, For me, it looks like a guy that's a fringe first-round pick. But when you see everybody, they're like, oh, he's probably going to be high second. I have a feeling like I just want to start making rumors about this guy so he falls more so the Bears (laughs) are able to get him. But look, he's one of my kind of draft crushes this year. I think he's one of my favorite guys in terms of the defensive side of the football to the point is I would be happy with the Bears not getting an edge rusher in that first round, if it meant he fell to somewhere where the Bears are picking in the second, because he's probably one of my favorite edge rushers in this draft class.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I think he is outside of really maybe Kalaja Kansi and the interior. Yeah. Um, I think he's one of the, if not the most explosive guy off the ball. He's consistently off the ball first. And that's one of the biggest things for me too is, exp- all right, cool. You get off the ball. And then what do you do after that? Are you consistently trying to win the outside? Or are, you, are you able to jump the inside? Are you able to long arm a guy, whether he's a hybrid tackle at 300 pounds or he's a big, big boy, 325, 330. Yeah. And Felix uh, can do a lot of things for you. He's good in the run as well. And I think he's also, you turn it back to the line and chase down a running back in space in the flat areas of the defense. He can do that too. And you look at Kansas State, a lot of big 12 defenses run those 335 stacks. Very unique as far as what he's asked to do along the front. Get in a position where he wants to be a guy where he's starting right away or is a DPR overwhelmingly explosive. And I like him as well.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you guys. He, like you said, he is an Iberflus guy. like has all the, the athletic traits and that motor that uh, th- that expression that he used over and over M and M motor and mean, and, and he fits that to a T he'd be a really fun, you know, fun guy to get in there. Um, it will be interesting to, you know with him, sorry about that. I have no idea what that was. Um, with him, i I sometimes when I watch tape, you know, I wonder, can he get better? Uh, and you guys might feel differently on this. I feel like his work with his hands could be a little bit better. I feel like guys with his level of explosiveness tend to lean on that a little too much at times. I saw that here and there. I'm not saying it's an exceptional flaw or anything, but you know, sometimes we see these hyper athletic or explosive defensive ends in college, get to the next level and you get, you know, some, some tackles who have really good hand technique or really strong hands and know how to position themselves to make up for that speed. Um, You know, I want to see how he takes it to the next level. I think he can, Uh, But I always have that feeling with those like super explosive defensive ends because, you know, you can get away with a lot more at the college level when you're that athletic and that explosive. You know, you can just blow by people and those opportunities aren't always there at the NFL level. That's why there's, you know, you don't see too many people doing outrageous sack numbers across the board. There's only a handful of guys that do it year in and year out.
0: Yeah, yeah, for me, for me, it's been kind of like the production. I was kind of speaks for itself with him as well. Like when you are able to total up over a hundred tackles, twenty sacks. I think it was like eight or nine forced fumbles, and like you said, like when we look at the different kind of skill sets that he has, the different pass rush moves. Those are some of the things that I do think are important. The fact that he has, he's able to beat someone with a bull rush, but then at the same time, he's able to use kind of like his hands as well to be able to beat guys it's not so much that he's just trying to get on the outside because he's explosive like he's not what i think bears fans when they hear these first step explosiveness of defensive linemen or edges they always think of like leonard floyd who had like the one kind of main skill set when he first came in i hear the same thing when people talk about nolan smith and it it Annoys me, but that's for that's for another day. But the fact that he's able to have like the two-hand swipe he has a really explosive rip move. Like some of the things that he does is something that you end up having to teach a lot of these kind of edge rushers coming in because they have focused on one way they knew how to beat offensive tackles in college. So he's one guy that I really like anyway. Um, and look with that, we'll move on to the next defensive lineman and, and Seth, I know. This is a guy that you really, really like. We spoke about him last week as well. And I think more and more people are slowly starting to talk about him. I don't know where he's going to go because I see so many differences of opinions. And that is Kobe Turner.
1: Yeah, you don't know where the hell he's going to go. Uh, you know, a few months ago, we're talking about, you know, probably a seventh round, maybe UDFA. Um, I have been enamored with this guy for a while. My Anybody who follows me on Twitter knows this. Anybody who follows the show knows this. Um, that he's oddly flexible and a really darn good athlete. Who I think is just starting to figure it out. And almost, thank God, he's just starting to figure it out because I think if he was in a situation where he could stay another year and figure figure things out more, then we're talking, to him, you know, a, a round two or three type of talent. Um, but. I just see so much potential in him when I turn on the tape. He doesn't have the stats to back it up, but you know, he's got all the things I look for. He's got a frame, he's 288. I feel like he could add 10 pounds and he wouldn't even notice. And he could get so much stronger. Um, you know, I've I've worked with a lot of strength and conditioning people over the years. So, like, you know, a lot of times people are like, Oh, you don't want to get too bulky, you know, sacrifice strength for speed. And nowadays that's almost like laughable. You can get so much stronger without sacrificing anything, depending on what you're doing. And the strength and conditioning coaches in Chicago are going to be leaps and bounds better than, than what he's dealt with. And, you know, he could add on five, six pounds of just lean muscle. And I think if you give him like, he'd be a rotational guy to start. That's why you're taking him. you know, probably in the fourth, fifth, or maybe he falls to the sixth. I don't see that. I see him as a you know high end fourth probably a fifth round pick who his upside is why you're taking him he's probably be a rotational guy to start but i feel like you get him stronger you get him working he's got really good hands really strong hands he's quick and flexible and if you just get him a little stronger and get him working with a coach to like realize how to use his length and skill set better he could be a dominant three technique like special type of player
2: yeah, he's, he fits in the bucket for me. There's a couple guys, like day th- early day three, him, Zach Pickens from South Carolina, and a kid from Pitt, not not Kalijah, but Deslin Alexander, mm-hmm. that you want to bring in, have some tools and traits that you like that are athletic. And someone that – it also reminds me a little bit, guys, of, of Milton Williams, just as far as not how they play, but as far as just athletic guys, day three, that can fill a role rotationally. And I think this year – Milton really is going to get into a role with Philadelphia alongside Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox and really work into himself. But you look at a guy like Kobe Turner, I think you explained it extremely well, Seth, as far as the physicality he plays with, the athleticism, his ability to even work up and down, play nose, play the one. Got great hands, really strong ACC experience. I like him as well as a day three guy.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's one of those guys that you get into day three, and like we always say at that point, you are drafting guys that you really like their traits that you feel you can get them better. That mm-hmm. You get them in your system and you're going to be able to elevate their game. We talk about some of these guys that we think will be better in the pros than they were in, in college football. And he definitely takes that kind of mold as well. And it's, he's going to be an interesting one. Cause again, like kind of Seth said, there's such a wide range of opinion on a guy like that, where a lot of it is projection and, Personally, I'd be ecstatic if he's a guy that they a- that the Bears were able to get. But you even mentioned one in terms of Desan Alexander. Like I know that he was brought in for the Bears to kind of as a visit, and that's going to be an, an interesting one to see how how he goes. But with that in mind, we'll move on to kind of the back end of the defense now because we each of us picked a corner for for this one. So we'll start off with you, Ryan, and you went with Clark Phillips the third.
2: Yeah. Clark Phillips, the third, look at this guy was even two inches taller. this guy may be a rock solid first round pick for me. Um, He is a flat out alpha and a stud on the outside. Um, I know a lot of East coast guys didn't stay up to watch this kid at Utah in the Pac-12, but the Utes have had a really good defense for a long time, last four or five years that doesn't get any credit. And Clark is, I don't know if he's going to be asked to play on the outside right away at the NFL level, but you want to put him at nickel. I don't care if people want to slide in Mike Evans, slide in Devontae Adams, not only, he's not going to be able to dominate those guys obviously right away, but he is someone that I want 100% in my secondary at the next level. Just a flat-out stud that takes it personal if a wide receiver is to lose a rep. Super smooth and man, work downhill and zone. Just at ball side angles that he takes with his hands, not just PBUs and get around guys and create interceptions. He's going to have more ball production in the NFL than he did at co- in college. I, I, I can't say more about how much I love Clark Phillips' game. It's just unfortunate that a lot of people are going to look at the size. Same with Travis Hodges Tomlinson at TCU and just disregard him. Um, He's a flat out ball player, stud, excellent football player that I'm in this class for me, I'm 100% pounding the table for if I'm a guy in the secondary.
0: Oh, 100%. He's one of my favorites in, in this draft class. Cause you, I like to look at corners that have that bit of swagger about them that Mm -hmm. you look at them. Like that guy's a dog, like you, you don't have to worry about, Him getting amped up for any game, and then you kind of add that to the ball production. And that's something you need I always like to see in terms of the corners is are they able to take the football away? Or even is there the potential to be able to develop that? And the one thing I like is I think just under half of his interceptions he brought back for a touchdown. So that's something that I always like to see, but yeah, you want that kind of competitive guy. Doesn't give a crap if he's playing on the outside. Doesn't give a crap if he's playing on the inside. Like he, for me, he comes across as a guy that would be like, I want to take the number one receiver wherever they go on the field. Absolutely. And those, yeah. those are the guys you want to bring in. I like. I know there's. He's an interesting one because there's so. Like we said with the wide receivers. There's so many of the wide receivers that are a bit smaller. There's so many corners that are like six foot and above that this is like one guy that you're like, he's not that, he's not the six foot and above, but my God, his, you just have to watch him. And you're like, like you said, if he was probably above six foot, we're probably talking him in the same vein as we're talking about Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon. That Those guys, Witherspoon, obviously up there with the ball productions there and you look at Clark Phillips and he's done the exact same. I, I've been surprised about the kind of, I guess, appeared drop off that people are having because I always like to go back to is where did people have these ranks when they stopped playing? Because I always hate when you hear like risers and fathers from the kind of the different conferences that we know about and they're bigger schools. I understand the whole risers when it's a guy that maybe smaller school didn't get to do that much. When you see a kind of one of the corners or one of the better defenses in the entire of the country, he shouldn't be a guy that's falling down people's draft boards because that's just people maybe convincing themselves of other players. He's he's gonna be one of those guys that if there's like five, six, seven guys taking ahead, he's gonna take that personal and he's gonna wanna show people that he should have been a first round pick. And that's what I love to see from some of these guys.
2: Exactly right. Yep. Just to mentioned it. Just a dog on the outside. Yeah. It is unfortunate people just don't watch the tape, guys. It's bottom line: people don't turn on the tape and watch the kid, which is unfortunate. But he can flat out play.
1: Yeah, he's, he's a he's a fun guy to watch, and I'm sure that he is on the Bears' radar. I mean, there are no strangers to taking defensive backs from there. Uh, so it, he's definitely a guy that I think you're. You hit the nail on the head there. Of like, if he was a little bit bigger, same thing I say. Uh, you know with Skoranski if he had longer arms you're talking about one of the best tackles prospects of the you know of the last 10 to 15 years he's he's a guy where if he was a little bit taller and bigger you're talking about you know one of the better corners coming out uh in, in quite some time you flip on the tape and it's like just is where he needs to be plays with the level of intensity that you you need at the NFL level because if you're an unconfident corner even if you have all the skill set you know we saw that with Kyle Fuller know a guy who it took him some time and once he got confident that's when you saw you know the the next level click and when he when he loses it it's it's gone and and you need guys who play with that level of confidence and intensity because it just doesn't work otherwise at the corner position
0: yeah yeah and we go from one we've mentioned that there's a lot of these guys that are above that kind of six foot range and this is where one of my kind of favorites i think he's gonna go a lot higher than some people are projecting at the moment but there's been a couple of people now that seem to be getting on the same sort of train, and that's Corey Trice Jr. Like, dude is—he's an impressive watch. Like, you look at a guy that has the stature that you're looking for, that kind of outside corner type guy. Like, you want a guy that's good in run support. He can do that. You want a guy that's good in man coverage. He's like that. The one thing I like in terms of when we compare him to like a Clark Phillips is third. Both guys are uber competitive. And that's what you want to see from some of these guys. Is there the one thing I would like to see a little bit more of from Corey is how impressive can he be in zone coverage? Because obviously you're going to need to be able to do both at the next level. But when I look at him, it's just, he's going to be one of those guys. He's going to be a reliable tackler. He's going to be able to press. He uses this, this the sideline really well. Like you see it constantly that he uses that as his best friend and it's things that, Again, it's one of those like pet peeves. When I see corners that don't do that, I'm like, use that to your advantage, dude. And he is one of those guys that you watch him and he flashes. And it's one of those guys that I think, we mentioned it with kind of Kobe Turner, that I think he's going to be a much better pro than what we were able to see in the collegiate game. Because again, the ball production wasn't there. You don't see all the interceptions, but when you look at him, you're like, there's no reason it can't be. And I think a lot of coaches are going to look at him and going to be like, this guy flashes some key traits that we really like. You look at it, he's, he's active in terms of the run game, but also attacks the football. It's stuff that I really like. Again, you could see him being one of those kind of up-in-your-face type corners and isn't afraid to take on kind of the best receiver in the opposing team. And again, those are some of the things you want to see. Biggest question mark for me is kind of, again, when it is on coverage, does he diagnose to play quick enough? And that's something that he's going to have to get better at. The ball production, obviously, only having two interceptions last year, that might be a reason why he kind of falls back a little bit. Some teams will say, is the the long speed there? There are viable questions, but when you look at what he's able to do, he is a really good blend of kind of that height, weight, and the arm length is there, which – again it's so important because you get your arm in the face of of an opposing wide receiver and that could be the difference between getting that incompletion so he's a guy that i project quite highly in coming up into this draft a guy that i really really like but also i think someone that a lot of people are going to know a little bit more about over the coming weeks because or at least over the next week because i think a lot of people have started talking about him as a potential guy that's kind of moving up draft boards a little bit but yeah, he's one of my personal favorites. Again, if anybody hasn't seen him, really fun watch. Make sure you do that. And Seth, you're going to round us out here with our kind of main gems before we do a quick fire for a couple of prospects before we end the show. And that is Iowa corner Riley Moss. Yeah,
1: and he's a guy that I feel like everyone just forgot existed. He's not a guy I've seen like mocked a, a bunch. He's not a guy I see many people talking about anywhere, and that's almost how he feels when you watch his tape. Sometimes you forget he's there because you set him and forget him. He's a really solid corner, and I think with how much you know zone concepts are, are in the NFL level, he's, he's a very good zone corner. Very sound in, in how he passes things off. Uh, and and how he communicates, which is is huge and like one of those not as spoken about traits, like your ability to pass things off and communicate. Um, because a lot more, you know, yelling and talking happens uh, in in those types of things. Um, there are some durability issues. He is a little also on the you know older side of some of these corners coming out. So I feel like that might be why he's fallen off a bit. But I mean, eleven interceptions over his college career pretty big dude built more like a, you know, some of those safeties you see coming out. Uh, I think he could be a really good outside corner, but just because he's larger doesn't mean you can't slide him and put him anywhere. Uh, And he hits really hard. He, he ticks all the boxes for me. Uh, So that's why, like when I see him, I'm like, most years we're talking about, you know, surefire second round type of talent. And it feels as though he's just become like the forgotten man of this, uh, you know, secondary class which is a pretty darn good one like in, in my opinion this corner class is is solid I've seen a few people you know talk down on it but I think there's just a lot of high upside guys I don't know if his upside is is massive but you know for a, a mid-round guy to plug in and not have to worry about I I, I think that speaks volume um but yeah it, it just kind of makes me chuckle whenever I, st- I see how little he's talked about
2: yeah, I, I look at Riley, and and really, guys, the bottom line is what come down to it is, and I hope this comes off the right way, but he doesn't look like a lot of corners um, that we're used to seeing. You know, He just looks different, right, bottom line. Um, and that's why I think he's been talked a little bit differently as far as in this class because he's, he's a guy that can play a little bit. I'm not the biggest fan of Riley Moss. I'm not. Um, I want to see some improvements from him. I think he's someone that's going to come in and cut his teeth on special teams first. Mm -hmm. and come in and work rotationally but bottom line is you can never have enough guys to understand how to cover whether it's man or zone on the outside and he can flat out roll too so he can run with anybody in this class but there's small things that i want to see him improve upon but guys i gotta i gotta head out here um my laptop's about to die and i'm unable (laughs) to charge it but i um thank you guys i really appreciate it so much and hopefully we talk soon
0: yeah Yeah, absolutely thank you thank you so much ryan all right guys talk soon thank you look ryan is a great dude being able to even just talk to him kind of off-camera as well has been really good. He's been very gracious with it with his time today as well. And look, those are some of the main guys that we that we've kind of spoken about in terms of our draft gems. There's so many we could we could do a a four-hour show and mention so many different guys. We will be able to talk about all these guys. We'll we'll talk about a couple of them next week because we have a bunch of different shows. I know on Tuesday, we'll be joined by Greg Gabriel. On Wednesday, Jacob Infante is going to be joining us as well, where we're going to do a bit of a roundtable mock draft right before the end or right before the draft kicks off. Um, But really, when we look at some of these guys, uh, we'll mention a couple of the kind of quick fire guys very, very quickly here before we end the show. Um, So a couple of guys that I wanted to mention just because they've been in the news lately. One, Zay Flowers, again – we heard we saw him today basically getting permission to train with Patrick Mahomes. I put that out there. That's an absolute cheat code if those guys are able to link up. Because my God, Zay Flowers would be look, since Tyreek Hill, he'd be a perfect type of player for the Kansas City Chiefs. And that would worry me of anybody if they are trying to beat the Kansas City Chiefs for the Super Bowl this year. Because Zay Flowers is legit. Now, what makes this interesting is a lot of people have Zay Flowers in the top 12 to 15 picks. So what are the Kansas City Chiefs going to try and do to be able to come up and get him is a really interesting option there. Um, one of the other guys that I that I will kind of mention as well is uh, Roshan Johnson. I have noticed, look, I've been a big proponent of Roshan for the entire of the draft season. But now we're starting to see more people talk about him as a potential like, second and third round pick which is yeah. <laughs> which is crazy and i'm like so pissed that that's happening i was hoping it would be kind of one of those secrets where it'll be like fourth fifth round then you can take a, a gamble he's going to be in that range and yeah
1: him and spears will probably end up both going so much higher you were two guys we were very high on. they were like oh maybe they'll be there in the fourth or fifth round that was misguided
0: typical <laughs> typical but yeah like that that's one. One of the other guys I liked that at the start of this process thought might be a projection in in day three is offensive lineman Chandler Zavala. But everybody I look at now has him like at the end of, or at like the middle of the third round, and some people have him at the top of there. Again, really impressive guy. I think that if the Bears don't get kind of interior guy in that second round, if you wanted to get Chandler Zavala, that'd be a really really good pick. Yeah. Um, one that i would definitely be a proponent for um one guy as well that look we we spoke about this off air Seth, the tight end position is an interesting one this year and we have oh, yeah. talking about kind of 10 to 12 guys but one guy again if you're looking in that kind of day through day two because look the reason why we've mentioned a lot of day two guys today is because right now the bears essentially have what three or four picks in day two so mm-hmm. like there's going to be a lot of higher profile guys at that point in time. And one of those guys, if you want to go for a tight end, Sam Laporta would be a ridiculous kind of tag team with Cole Komet. But one of those guys that you can plug and play straight away can give you something in the pass game is I would say sufficient in terms of helping in kind of the pass blocking game as well. Definitely yeah. a good shaper, So I think Under- underrated,
1: would... I would say underrated
0: hundred percent. And look, one of the last guys that, like, we, we wanted to mention, obviously, some of the guys that would be in that day two range that I think are going to be really, look, and actually, this one is an interesting one. The OD, ODU tight end, Zach is a is a really interesting one. He's, he's just, a wild card. He, yeah, pure athleticism. Like, I don't know what to expect from him. He could go anywhere, and he's going to be a, a really, really interesting one. Um, one guy I'm gonna let you kind of talk a little bit about here because I like I don't know much about him. I like the I like his measurables. But yep. I would be lying and saying that I've watched tape Any on tape. this guy. <laughs> I have not. I have not watched a single snap of his, but I have listened to you, I have listened to a couple of other people kind of wax lyrical about this guy's potential. And that is Jake Witt. Yeah, he, he's a guy I
1: was high on even before. Um, I can't remember. Was it Pompe? I think Pompe put the article. Was it P- Pompe put an article out, or Bruegel, one of those guys put put it out an article that kind of put him on everybody's radar. Um, but for me, when I like get into O line, I do enjoy looking at the tackles that like played either played basketball or played tight end or something and have transitioned to play, you know, offensive line. And that's been, he's been a guy who's been on my radar for a while as a small school guy that I originally was like, man, this could be a good UDFA guy. He's got all the measurables, his size and athleticism are off the charts. Does he have technique issues? Does he have, you know, issues in the run and pass? Yes, but I do think they are correctable things, and I think if you let him develop for a few years, add some, like fill out his frame a little more, you know, um, it definitely has all those things, and he just screams as a Ryan Poles project guy. Uh, that's a, a term you'll hear from me with that. He he absolutely he ticks all those boxes, super small school, and I think has. Today's been a day, man. Um, <laughs> he, he's got everything you're looking for. It's just a matter of how much do you believe in Chris Morgan, and that's yeah. something I've I've been saying for probably three, four weeks now. With any of these guys, is if you believe Chris Morgan can get the job done, and then taking a flyer on a guy. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, what is he like? Six seven three oh three,
0: yeah, something it's, like that. It's, it's and
1: ridiculous. and just athleticism off the charts. Like you could probably throw him on a basketball court, and he would ball out. Um, but yeah, you could add 15 pounds and probably not even lose an ounce of athleticism. Again, we spoke about that earlier of just, you know, the way these strength and conditioning coaches are, the way workouts, you know, have, have come a long way. Um, and it's, it's a good thing that like, personally, I think it's a good thing for him that he's born in this era, because if we're talking 10, 15 years ago, they would have put him at defensive end yeah. a long time ago. Um, but I I think he gives you a fun swing tackle or just a guy to develop. But in this modern era of NFL, I think it's also uh, a fun thing to throw him out there and put him out there as an eligible receiver. Like, who's going to cover him? You know, he's just he's he's a guy who brings endless possibilities, and that's exactly what you're doing with seventh round picks. You're taking high upside, high trait guys who. Are not likely to play year one, and he could be, you know, one of those guys we're talking about in three years. As like, oh my gosh, if he would have went to a bigger school and had the right coaching, could be you know an all world tackle, or he, he could be a guy in two years who's out of the league, and re- and that's
0: yeah. He reminds me of those kind of Green Bay Packer, um draft picks that you're like. God damn! They got another good offensive lineman from absolutely nowhere. Like those are the ones that I hate. But look, we'll go through quickly some of the guys on defense as well. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple have actually been mentioned in the chat today. Um, before we got to this, but one of my favorites, um, in this class is Keon White. Um, a couple of people were talking about him a little bit earlier on when Ryan mentioned them. For me, I know a lot of people don't don't talk too much about Keon, but I actually think he's likely going to go in at the end of the first round because he is that kind of power rusher. A lot of people have him in the second round, but I think there's a big scope of those guys. And like, it, for example, if the Bears did move back right in round one, still got their offensive tackle, if Keon White and Uzoma were there, I'm like, draft one of them and you're good. And yeah, those would be sure. really, really good options there. I think Keon White is a very impressive guy and is going to go much higher than people like yeah, is somebody
1: reaching big on him.
0: Yeah, Like I think there's a lot, and we've heard lately, that there's a lot of wide variance versus what the teams are thinking of these prospects versus what analysts and stuff are thinking of them. And that's what makes this draft going to be so much fun. From Keon, we got to two Isaiahs. Um, one is a draft favorite by a lot of people right now, especially Anthony on the show and that is Isaiah Maguire. Um, Has to be be some sort of Irish connection in there with a Maguire and a surname. But look, this guy, if you don't get a pass rusher in round one and round two, and if he's there in round three, you've got to target him. Run to the podium. Oh my God, this guy is impressive. Anthony was talking about him. I heard Greg Gabriel talk about him last week as well. I was talking to him offline, and I was like, i got to watch more. And I watched it, and I'm like, I was two hours in watching this guy. <laughs> I was like, I am sold. Oh, he's everything that you look for. And he, for me, he's like, if you don't get a guy like Tuli to a Pilato, or if you don't get one of these guys to the top of the second round, you draft him in the third round, you'd be like, we're good. Like, that's it. That's an it. Like, it's kind of like that Steve Avila pick where yeah. you take him. You're like, he's the starter. That's fine. Like, yep. I'm good and that's what i really like we move from one isaiah to another this guy i think he's got a lot of kind of popularity because smaller school guy but has the physical traits that you look for and that's isaiah land and again the fact that i think the all-star games and things like that really helped him because a lot of people got to see more of him, see what Mm -hmm. type of player he is he's one that i don't know where he's gonna go i think he's gonna go in the fourth um But there's a lot of people that have them a little bit lower. Some people that have them higher. But again, a good kind of athletic traits that you're looking for there. Day three, that's what you're kind of looking for. Some of these guys that have those athletic traits that you know that you can kind of build on. And you can hone in to be a good guy that fits in your system. Now, this last guy, before we wrap up the show, I was like, Seth, you told me about him. I didn't get to watch any tape on him before. I started watching some tape on him last night and this morning. I really, really liked him. And then obviously somebody else in the show did as well because in the comments, I saw his name pop up earlier and it was just them saying, I think they mentioned Johnson, the defensive lineman from Toledo. Toledo. I was honestly
1: super surprised somebody in the chat mentioned him. Yeah. Um, I I do tend to have a pulse on some of these small Midwest guys, um, but yeah, fun, fun guy. Definitely a later round guy. There's the Iberflus Toledo connection, so that's why a few people probably seen him here and there. But like, he could be a, a flyer three technique who has all the traits and you know uh, motor relentlessness that you need, even in role player backup guys. You know, yeah. he's a, he's a that. But that threw me off. I was not expecting somebody to. I I think they spelled it wrong in the chat. So that's why I didn't notice it at first, but then I saw the Toledo part. I was like,
0: my guy. I know. I saw that. and I was like, (laughs) ah, they knew they knew it was coming. But yeah, look, it's, it's been a fun show today. I really enjoy kind of talking about some of these guys and a little bit more depth, but also getting some other people's opinion on these guys as well, because look, we're getting close. We're, we're almost there. We're almost at Christmas time. Next week, we have a jam packed couple of days. Um, We still have to confirm on Monday exactly um, the show that day, but we will likely have a show on Monday. But we do have two confirmed shows before our draft shows. We will be joined by Greg Gabriel next Tuesday. Um, So that's going to be a really fun one that we get to be able to talk to him right before, get his kind of opinion on some of these guys. But also I like just to hear his kind of strategy when it comes to the draft. So we are going to be doing like a GM type show and kind of learning about the intricacies of the draft, but also who he really likes and who he thinks Ryan Poles really likes. Because, look, we've had a really good relationship with Greg over the last while, so it's going to be good to get him on. And then we are going to get Jacob Infante on because it seems like this will be the third year running, that the day before the draft, we'll have Jacob on the show. We always do our final mock draft the day before the official start of the NFL draft. And then Thursday... Friday and Saturday. We will be live throughout the draft. I think we have like 15 to 20 guests that are going to be joining us over the three days. It's ridiculous. (laughs) It is going to be a lot of fun. We will have specific hours and specific times that we will invite people that are watching the show that if you want to come on and have your opinion to be able to say what you think of a certain player or someone that the Bears drafted or didn't draft. We will be opening that up for people at specific times during the NFL draft. So make sure that you're in the chat. Make sure you're watching so you'd be able to do that. Like I said, it's been a fun show today. We Absolutely. will be back next Monday. Um, so we have a couple of days here. We're just about a week away until it all kicks off again. But it's been a great show. Make sure that you like the video. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit the notification bell because the only time you're not going to miss any of these shows as there's a lot of them coming up over the next week or so. So, look, until next time, folks, all we can say is bear down. Bear down.